Did you know you can win an Olympic marathon while eating a combination of brandy and strychnine? Or that the world mile record while drinking beer is just a minute slower than the regular one? Turns out good drinkers can be good runners. I'm Nigel Fish. And I'm Katie Marshall. And this is the Sci Runner Podcast, your science-based look at all things running. In the 1904 Olympic marathon, Thomas Hicks, an American runner, was fed a combination of strychnine, egg whites, and brandy in the first recorded case of drug use during the modern Olympics, and won despite hallucinating and having his handlers carry him over the finish line with his legs still kicking. Probably not, probably not legal anymore. So probably not. When I heard this, the first thing I thought was, why in the world would he be fed strychnine of all things? Uh, isn't isn't strychnine poisonous? So it was actually used as a performance-enhancing drug in the 19th and early 20th centuries because it inhibits a motor neuron inhibitor, which is kind of a roundabout way of saying it can just lead to greater muscle contractions. But it's also really, really toxic. It's It's got an LD50 of about a milligram per kilo, which is about a tenth of a t- tablespoon for an 80-kilogram person. Right, and LD50 for the non-science folks uh, is, is lethal dose 50, which means... At that dose, you have a 50-50 chance of living or dying. So not good odds. And yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. So, so now, obviously, uh, not, not many runners are using strychnine these days. Uh, but there are certainly a lot of people drinking post-race, pre-race, and even during certain types of race, like wine races and beer races. And, oh, never. And I've, I've been known to have a drink uh, post-race occasionally. That sounds totally not like you one little bit. Um, but... It's a good question as to how much runners drink and what the effects of that might be. So I don't think it's any uh, surprise to anybody that runners love to drink. This actually, interestingly, includes non-human runners. Uh, one study of rats showed that running increased how interested the rats were in drinking ethanol. So it's not surprising the same is true for humans. Other studies have shown that moderate drinkers, that's people who have about a drink a day, are twice as likely to exercise regularly than non-drinkers. Um, okay, so are they running uh, more because they drink? Uh, for example, I like to run to shake off a, a previous night of too much wine. Or are they drinking because they run, like they're craving more calories, or is there some other effect there? So cause and effect is a really hard thing to kind of disentangle uh, in, in these kinds of studies, especially because they, they rely on people's memory. So people are tend to really discount things that, that are kind of fun. So when I'm doing this dietary yeah. survey of, of what I ate in the last week, I totally probably leave out several of those chocolate cookies yeah, I had. Yeah, especially if you're, if you're drinking. I think you'll lose track of what you eat. Eating. That is entirely possible. So a better study was actually published just last fall, and they did something a little different. Uh, rather than just relying on memory, they actually uh, gave the participants a smartphone app that uh, they could use to track both their exercise and their drinking. I think I need that app. Yeah, or or not. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if yeah, I, I want to be reminded. Maybe not. Uh, and what they found was a very strong correlation within a day. So exercising on any given day significantly increased the chance that the people would drink on that day. I'm proud to be a scientist sometimes. <laughs> uh so that's kind of interesting, kind of worrying to me, it sounds, because that sounds like my running is causing my drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
possible. And and this is something that the authors actually talked about is that uh, we tend to think of exercise as really good rehab as a way of, of preventing other bad habits. Um, but it may not be that this actually works. It may be that the exercise increases these habits. Right. How, how, how certain is this? Anyway, how- <laughs> well, the association between drinking and, um, and exercise is definitely there. The cause and effect is a little harder to kind of pick pull apart. Um, it may just be that people who uh, run a lot or, or exercise a lot also are just going out with their buddies afterwards and, and drinking. So, you know, the kind of cliche of the like rugby player. Um, right. Running clubs. Right. More drinking than people who don't run. Yeah. I, I have to admit there have been times I've been drinking more with my running club than actually running. Right. So the, it's hard to figure that out. Um, I think the best we can say for now, like it also could just be a calorie effect. Um, but it's the kind of thing that's going to need some more detailed physiology for sure. Right. That study assumed people were drinking after running, which makes sense because drinking before running isn't a lot of fun. And, and there's been a few studies on these acute effects of alcohol and performance. Uh, one study involved four lucky guys, all well-trained runners, who were given a 60-minute run either while consuming the equivalent of three beers or not. And while they all had no trouble finishing that 60 minutes with out alcohol, only one of the four were actually able to finish while consuming oh, alcohol. Only one in four. That what kind of beer was this? Because it sounds that like there was a very it was a very uh, you know were these untrained drinkers or what, what, <laughs> what is this beer? One in four Untra- sounds pretty low. Untrained runners, untrained drinkers. Yeah. Uh, so it was what I'd call lab beer, um, by which I mean pure ethanol mixed into grapefruit juice. That. Grapefruit juice, that's pretty disgusting. Uh, I think that would make me bail pretty quickly. I don't think I'd want to actually be even in that study, uh, despite <laughs> the free alcohol. You sure? You sure? Free alcohol? <laughs> Grapefruit. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's probably easier to write a grant involving like free alcohol than like uh, ethanol and grapefruit juice than like Labatt's Blue, but you know. Um, but it is also a way to control how much alcohol they're getting. Okay. So drinking alcohol while they were running increased their heart rate during the run relative to not having alcohol, and it decreased their blood sugar, um, which the authors thought might have been the reason why they were unable to finish. On the flip side, a study of 10 women who uh, consumed 0.8 milligrams per kilo of alcohol, and that's about almost three beers for a 60-kilo woman prior to exercise, they experienced no additional muscle damage as a result of the alcohol consumption. Uh. Okay, curious, why did they only choose to study women here? Uh Uh-huh. So (laughs) I would ask you, why did they choose to only study men in the previous? Right. And this is actually a a kind of a longstanding issue in physiology is that most physiological studies have really only focused on women. Um, And part of that is it's a bit simpler because men don't have the same sort of cycling effects that women might. And that that actually could be another podcast is the effects of menstrual cycles on running. I'm sure you'd. Love yeah, that. I'll, uh, that'll be my favorite episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it is, it also, also just reduces the, the number of participants you need if you only have one gender versus both in a study. Okay. So both of these are small studies, uh, but in general, moderate amounts of alcohol are thought to have a negative effect on athletic performance. It is a depressant. Um, the American College of Sports Medicine has a position statement on the effects of alcohol and athletic performance, stating that low or moderate amounts of alcohol can impair run times. Um, because of its diuretic property, it could also result in dehydration, which is especially detrimental to performance and health during prolonged exercise in hot environments. Diuretic. <laughs> diuretic, eh? Uh, yeah, for, you know, forget about the negative effects of the alcohol popping into the washroom every few kilometers. 
is definitely going to negatively negatively affect your race time, I would think. So, for unless, men, of course... For men, less so than women, I would assume. Well, yeah, maybe we spend a little bit less time uh, at the bathroom there. But, uh, yeah, stopping every... Um, although, I guess you do at aid stations anyway. But I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, of course, unless, of course, you're, we're talking about uh, the, my favorite race. Oh, the, you have a favorite? The, the, the beer... I haven't actually raced it, but the beer oh. mile is actually a thing for those who don't know. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about the beer mile. <laughs> uh, See? Those, no, no awkward segues. No awkward segues, though. Uh, for those unaware, the beer mile is a race that takes place typically on a quarter mile track where runners must drink a 12-ounce beer at the start, as well as for every lap for a total of four beers. Despite the obvious unseriousness of this kind of race. What? It's unserious? That sounds like serious business to me. Uh, yeah, I guess it's depending on your definition of serious. There are actually pretty decent strict rules governing how the race must be held. For example, when chugging the beer, it must be done from a standard can or bottle with no modifications that alter flow rate, such as the wide mouth can. And the beer must be a minimum of 5% alcohol. So we've spent more time talking about the alcohol consumption part of this race. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, this might make some runners vomit. Oh, uh, God. In which case, you have to run an additional penalty lap. Which would totally be me. Four beers? Oh, God. It's not that many. Although, <laughs> I guess in that last study, most people couldn't finish. So yeah. that was 60 minutes, though. This is going to be a lot shorter than 60 minutes. Yeah. Um, it seems this rate is only for this, <laughs> this race. <laughs> it seems this race is only for the strong of stomach and the best beer chuggers out there, which apparently is a lot of Canadians. <laughs> Canadians hold the top two world records, both of which were set just this last year. Uh, Lewis Kent from Ontario is the current record holder, doing it in only four minutes and forty-seven seconds. Wow, I can't, I can't even do like a, a mile in that time, like let alone while drinking four beers. Yeah, I don't know how how well I would uh, be. I, I mean, I can't do a mile in in that time either. Uh, <laughs> so I, I definitely can't can't beat this record. Uh, so he actually he, that that guy too the the what's his name Lewis Kent uh, he actually holds four of the top ten records so he's he's really into this race and he's all done it all while drinking Amsterdam Blonde specifically which may be his leg up I don't know <laughs> uh, which also despite his name is also a Canadian beer I did not know that I am not usually one for rampant nationalism but I mean <laughs> oh Canada yeah. Yeah, so now the reason Canadians are probably so good at this particular event is the rules themselves that have been adopted internationally are called the Kingston Rules, being that they originated from Kingston, Ontario. Though the beer mile race itself may have come from university campuses in the U.S. or from the Hash House Harriers in Indonesia, no one's really certain of the exact origins. Well, it, I mean, clearly the origins are in a pub somewhere. I, I think that should be probably pretty clear. Yeah, and as we outlined before runners drink more <laughs> running makes you drink apparently so yeah. uh it makes sense that this race exists and not it's interesting i don't know if they have like a cycling mile beer mile uh, that would be maybe more dangerous cyclists are also i i don't know they just seem too hardcore for this kind of thing <laughs> I, i'm sure there must be one uh probably look that up but <laughs> uh but it would i would think more dangerous because you have to ride a bike and yeah yeah drinking and cycling. at least if you're running you just fall over it's not that big a deal but. although you can be arrested uh for running while intoxicated there's been a couple of cases of this in the u.s uh, that's that's kind of ridiculous uh so yeah, and I've been eager to give my, this race a try myself. Uh, 
But I, as I said, I can't run a sub five minute mile sober, so I'm pretty doubtful that I clinch that record. But however, you only need to beat seven minutes 30 to get into the top 1000, which means as long as I can chug four beers in about a minute, I think I could, I think I could do it. I think you're going to have to train <laughs> harder for that part of the race. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the rest of this podcast with no glasses because uh, a woman on the street attacked me and ripped the glasses off my face and stomped on them. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. I mean, I'm, it's the stomping, really, that for me is is just the, the yeah, cherry on the like, shit Sunday. I was just like, why? Why did you do this? Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, mean I, she was clearly an ex, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, she's definitely not an ex, but. Yeah, uh-huh. mm. Fun, fun morning. Police Wee. involved. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> shall we? Uh, so, yeah. Warning that for the rest of this, I will might stutter over my what any of this. Well, anyways, yeah. If I have to read something, I'll, I'll be like, "What does it say?" Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, so run, running well, hungover. So what we're we're talking about the beer mile. Yeah. So you've had the beer mile. You may be celebrated finishing the beer mile by uh, having a few more, you know, just extra training, right, after the beer mile. Right. Well, you're going to be pretty drunk afterwards anyways. I, yeah, I would think so. Having uh, four like Four beers in a very, very short period of time. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I would be done. So the next morning, you wake up and you kind of, you think about coming out of bed and you're just like, ugh, ugh. Right. So the question is, how, how well can you run while hungover? Well, even though uh, we're all pretty familiar with what a hangover is, there's still a lot of physiological unknowns. Hangovers are hard to study in the lab. Um, inducing one is kind of ethically uh, questionable, maybe, for researchers. Sounds sounds ethically positive to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we're pretty sure that dehydration and electrolyte depletion do happen. And those are both things that are, are generally not associated with good running outcomes. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty surprised, actually, that uh, science doesn't really understand what a hangover is. I would have thought that this would be fully understood by this point. Yeah, no, surprisingly not. There's some thought that it involves inflammation, um, but there's been lots of studies that show that, for instance, dehydration and electrolyte depletion don't fully explain the uh, symptoms of a hangover. So so there's a, a study on the effects of hangovers on running, just one that I could find. Uh, this was conducted at Acadia University. That's where I did my undergrad. Yay. Uh, yay, Nova Scotia. And they took 12 healthy undergraduate women and they gave them free beer. Woo! Best study ever. Uh, but it was Labatt Blue. Um, yeah, no best study ever. <laughs> no, cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, this is ethically this dodgy. Does, it does sound better than the, uh, the grapefruit and ethanol combination of the other studies. I think so. I think so. And uh, actually, Labatt's, um, they sponsor some of the residences at Acadia, I happen to know. So uh, this so might that's be. Why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is not ethically dubious, but. <laughs> well, you know. So the women. <laughs> Uh, came in multiple nights uh, for the study, and they received either zero, two, four, or six bottles of beer at 30 to 40 minute intervals, as well as a standard meal of pizza and a bottle of water. And then they had the students stay overnight at the lab. 
So six bottles of beer is a fair amount uh, for a woman at, at 30 to 40 minute intervals. In the highest alcohol consumption group, so after six bottles of beers, they reached an average blood alcohol content of 0.106%, which is more than legally impaired. Yeah. Uh, they only allowed them to sleep for seven and a half hours, which is cruel, if you ask me, really. And then they woke the women up and uh, the women completed a battery of tests, including a six mile per hour run until exhaustion. Okay. That's, yeah. Not the great, uh, not the funnest study. <laughs> no, no, that was, that was terrible. Yeah. Uh, more alcohol tended to increase the number and severity of hangover symptoms. Obviously. You know, yeah, I was going to say, this is not exactly, uh, you know, surprising. Uh, no one was extremely hungover. They, they have a standard hangover scale and they reached a maximum of 3.4 on a six point scale. So they were hungover, mm. but, you know, they weren't feeling like, you it's know. interesting because I guess these were experienced drinkers then. So they, cause they have, cause you, how else do you know what's, where you are on that scale if you haven't uh, yeah. ha- had bigger hangovers? But Yeah, well, you know, it is Acadia. It's, yeah. right. Anyway, not that I would know. Uh, so well hungover, the women felt like they were working harder when they were running. So they reported the running was harder. Yeah. But they were actually able to run just as long as when they weren't hungover. So this was a run to exhaustion. So they just stopped, right, when they couldn't run anymore. But – Surprisingly, yeah, they could run just as far when they were hungover as when they weren't. Hmm. Yeah. So that, that that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, there's been a number of times that I've run hungover. And although I'm mentally thinking, you know, this is really tough and I'm not running very well and I just want to get it over with, uh, you know, when I get when I get home and upload my data to Strava, uh, I actually sometimes I even have a course record <laughs> and it's quite surprising. So... Yeah, I yeah. guess there's no real impact. Yeah, and this has been something that's been anecdotally reported by a lot of runners. Um, they also looked at uh, grip strength tests um, in the women. So they mm. they looked at whether or not their sort of maximal rate of muscle contraction was impaired. Again, that was not impacted. The biggest effect they were finding, actually, of the hangover is that the women were making significantly more errors in a decision-making test. So it's a good thing runners generally don't make too many decisions, but they did suggest that um, if you're going to be running somewhere with like a lot of traffic or other sort of places where you have to think a little bit about your safety when you're running, it's probably right. not a great idea when you're hungover. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, there's no in- impact on performance, but I think sometimes it's what goes through my head is that I might be doing damage maybe while running hung- hungover. I'm more likely to injure myself or something of that nature. Interestingly, uh, the women after this much running showed no effect of dehydration. Uh, the way they actually measure whether you're dehydrated or not is looking at the specific gravity of your urine. So mm. they, like, how dense it is. 9.81 <laughs> meters per second, is that? Sorry. Anyways. Was that a physics joke, Nigel? It was, it was some sort of physics joke. Oh, anyway. my God. It was terrible. Uh, so um, they, even though they showed hangover symptoms, they weren't actually dehydrated. So this actually shows us again that dehydration is not necessarily what causes hangover. Um, so they had dry mouth, dry mouth, sorry, and tiredness. Um, but yeah, for this sort of smaller amount of alcohol consumption, there doesn't seem to be any impact of hangovers on performance. And um, there's no, the women were fine to run by any measure that we had. So, um, but I can't seem to find any information on injury likelihood in this kind of state. Right. Um, given that their decision making was impaired, it's probably, you, you might 
be kind of dumb and not think about, you know, where you're running or or something traffic or, you know, if it's icy, you might slip and fall more like, you know, you Mm -hmm. might be more likely to do that. So maybe sticking to the treadmill, although injuries on treadmills. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, just stick to the... uh the track, maybe. Yeah, it's Just probably the circle safest. And you're, and you're fine. Yeah. Uh, there was a mouse study uh, that gave uh, the poor mice um, about 14 drinks uh, per mouse, if we scale it up to, like, a mouse being the size of the woman in yeah, the previous study. Yeah, so that's a really big night. Uh, six hours after the dose, they had the mice run through a series of, like, motor performance tra- tasks, including, like, typewriter tight rope tests, which I just, I kind of want to imagine like these little mice on a tightrope. Uh, whole board exploration, teammates exploration. So they had the mice try and do all these like little sort of decision making and, uh, and performance and motor performance tasks. And they found that the hungover mice actually performed much worse than the normal mice and their gates were altered. The mice were not still drunk. <laughs> I wondered this when I saw that they weren't running the same way. Right. Um, but the effect lasted about 20 hours after the hangover started. So it's hard to generalize from these two studies. Um, I think it's probably pretty safe to say if you have a mild hangover, you're probably fine to run. If you're really severely hungover, it's probably a good idea just to relax. Right. I mean, I well, yeah, I, I kind of disagree, though. I mean, just on... I think, I mean, me personally, I, I like to run if if I'm hungover because it makes me feel, it brings me a little bit closer back to baseline normality. And, I've, and there's been times where I have been extremely, extremely hungover <laughs> and I managed to get up and go for a run. And even though the first five minutes of the run was pain, you know, once I, once I got it, once my body started getting into it, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't feel perfect afterwards but i felt a lot better than whether if i had not run yeah i mean i definitely have tried to run while hungover and i just i had like a splitting headache and it was just not a good scene um so i you know i i think it's okay to sort of play you know your your uh your whatchamacallit your mileage may vary right (laughs) yeah literally is that like a running pun oh Uh, it was still better than the physics pun uh So, uh, okay. So, after all this running and all this drinking and you're you're ready, you know, to sort of sit down and relax at the end of the day, one of my very favorite things to do after a good run is to have a beer. How about you, Nigel? Uh yeah. I mean, well, yeah, probably. You it know, depends when I went for the run, but Yeah, I was going to say early in the morning early maybe morning, not, not so, much. so much, yeah. But I'm a I'm work. an afternoon runner. Yeah, um so, so then am I usually. So I'll stretch, I'll ice, I'll watch some Netflix, right. I'll so, beer it up. So is this a bad idea? Is Well, so after a run your body has three tasks. It needs to replenish carbohydrate stores, it needs to rebuild damaged muscles, and it needs to rehydrate. So let's let's take a look at each one of these one by one. In one study, eight men were given a series of exercises, including cycling and weightlifting, and then were given about seven bottles of beer over the course of three hours, then allowed to rest for five hours. So the the researchers looked at markers of muscle recovery. So this was trying to rebuild that damaged muscle, and they found that uh, that there seemed to be impaired muscle recovery during that five hour period. Uh, they did a follow-up study to see if, because seven bottles of beer is quite a lot. Right. Uh, yeah. they did I really a- like these studies. I really <laughs> want to get into some of these studies. <laughs> you want the free beer, is what <clears throat> yeah, you're saying. Yeah. 
Right. No, science. It's for science. Science. Uh, so for in a follow-up study, uh, they gave them a much lower dose, about a little over two and a quarter bottles of beer per person. They found no effect of muscle recovery. So finally, they kind of bumped it up a bit, uh, looking at rugby players uh, consuming about almost five cans of beer for an average uh, size man four hours after uh, a rugby match, and they allowed them to sleep. The next morning, uh, the players had decreased jump distances and cognitive function after the beer, but their piece m- peak muscle contraction strength was unaffected. So, so basically, there was little to, to no effect of, uh, of no, drinking post. I would say uh, it looks like, you know, it's a dose-dependent effect. So the right. more beer you have, the more um, this ability to to uh, repair your muscles is damaged. Now, that being said, all of these studies um, were not just looking at running. They were looking at things where you would have like explosive power performance. So it's hard to say how much of this really applies to like an endurance sort of athletic um, event rather than an explosive athletic event, which is going to use your fast twitch muscle fibers. Right. So it's hard to say. Okay. Uh, on the replenishment of carbohydrate side, uh, there's a study of 15 well-trained cyclists that showed that um, one and a half milligrams per kilo of alcohol is vodka. That's about seven bottles of beer, again, in an average size man over three hours. So heavy drinking. Uh, it only re- reduced carbohydrate replenishment if the alcohol calories replaced carbohydrate in carbohydrate intake, not if they didn't. So they gave them either meals that included alcohol as like part of the calories in the meal or meals that were were just really big and they also had alcohol calories on the side, if that makes sense. Um, I think so. Okay. <laughs> so it's not that the alcohol itself um, inhibits your ability to actually put away that carbohydrate as glycogen. It's that the calories in alcohol don't seem to be as easily converted so, to okay, let me, carbohydrates. Let me, let me make sure what you're saying here because it was maybe a little bit confusing. Uh, what you're saying is these guys drank – some of the guys drank seven bottles of beer after cycling hard and didn't eat anything. They had a reduced meal. Okay, reduced meal. Yeah. That does sound like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, not a good idea. Uh, uh, the worst part of the study, um, so I love to read scientific papers that include little sort of anecdotal details because sometimes they're, they're kind of funny. In this paper, however, it is noted that all vomited while undertaking the alcohol displacement diet. Yeah. That's uh, what I'm saying. <laughs> recipe for disaster. I mean, you're going to yeah. drink pretty much, yeah, if I went for a long run and drank just seven bottles of beer and did not eat that much, I would be vomiting as well. I'm quite certain of it. Because of the randomization randomization of the diet, so they had one, um, they either uh, had the alcohol displacement diet or they had the regular diet, um, and it was randomized which order um, the trials were done in for each of these people. Two of the subjects had complete previously completed without incident the alcohol and carbohydrate diet, which provided an identical amount of alcohol. So it's not the absolute amount of al- alcohol, it's whether or not they have a meal with it. And that makes sense because a yeah. meal is also going to slow down your the uh, the rate of alcohol hitting your bloodstream. Uh, keep this in mind if you're interested in weight control. Every gram of alcohol, like as pure ethanol, provides seven calories uh, per gram compared to nine calories per gram for fat and four each for carbohydrate and protein. Yeah, I mean, this is actually one. I, I follow the oatmeal on why I run, which is... So that I can eat and drink <laughs> on a regular basis uh, right. without feeling too guilty about it and not gaining as much weight. Yeah. And and so, <clears throat> I mean, this is kind of the thing. I, I don't want to encourage alcohol consumption here because, you know, obviously it's got a lot of um, downsides. downsides. 
And it also increases your caloric intake. Yeah. Uh, so finally, while it seems like beer is a bad choice for rehydration, because, you know, everyone knows that alcohol will, will dehydrate you, there was actually a study of fit men who compared uh, the consumption of a can of beer versus mu- as much mineral water as they wanted following uh, almost an hour of treadmill running. That works out to about two bottles of beer um, per person. In the beer group, uh, the runners um, were also allowed as much water as they wanted, and they found absolutely no difference in any hydration mar- marker as a result of drinking beer. Well, that's good news. Yeah. That's very good news. But again, this is a I, relatively small amount of beer. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> compared uh, to some of these other stuff. But usually, I mean, lots of times after, I mean, if I go on a run in the evening, I might have a beer afterwards. Yeah. And this makes me feel like, I, I you know, I'm always... I, I think previously I was thinking, oh, it's probably not, I should have some water first or like, you know, this is going to dehydrate me further, but I guess not. So Well, keep drinking the water. Keep yeah, drinking. I, mean, <laughs> I, I still drink the water, but uh, yeah. I'm just saying uh, the beer on top of the water is not going to dehydrate me, further, which is good news. Yeah. And, and, you know, in general, it seems that post-exercise, as long as you keep it to like a drink or two um, and you don't go out for a big night. So, and this is kind of part of the issue with some of these athlete studies is that, you know, rugby players after a match are kind of well known for, for their big nights. And that's probably not a great idea, but one or two just, you know, with a friend or by yourself is probably going to be fine. Hmm. So what do you think, Nigel? Are you, are you ready to, uh, to drink and run all the time? Um, who says I don't do that already? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I should do the beer mile. I mean, yeah, the fu- so I think what comes out of this, what is, what is the conclusion? Uh, it's not, I mean, this is still an area of active research, of course. Um, it's not a great idea to get drunk before running. Well, yeah, that's pretty obvious. I think everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't know anybody who gets drunk and then goes, does a race or something that's just bananas. There's not great evidence, though, that moderate alcohol alcohol consumption in, on a general basis is going to do any harm. Um, and there's even some evidence that that uh, a little bit of alcohol can be protective for your heart. You're also right. probably fine to run while moderately hungover. But like any other time you run, just gauge how you're feeling. Make sure you're well hydrated. And as for the post-run beer? Uh, keep it to one or two and you won't be undoing your good work. But it's probably not a great idea to have more than that. And that's probably good advice in general. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And of course... Uh, if you do drink a lot, you're probably going to run more from the first <laughs> part, which is still so weird to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, it's <laughs> the causality is being unraveled, but it seems yeah. to be pretty uh, pretty clear. That's, that's pretty funny. For all our show notes and sources for all the science we talked about, visit our website at SciRunner.com and feel free to send us your science and running questions or tweet us at SciRunner. This has been the SciRunner Podcast, your source for all things science and running.